This is The Public Speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. Today we're picking up with the second part of a two-part article on why you should choose happiness. Chris Hardy and I, she's a stickability specialist. We made the point last time that happiness is a choice. And I know choosing happiness sounds great in theory, but from a practical perspective, how exactly do you choose happiness? Especially when you feel like crap. That's what we'll cover this week. Okay, so I'm somewhat reluctant to admit this, but here goes. The truth is I decided to write this article for myself and for my kids. I was and am going through a tough time, and I needed to remind myself that happiness is a choice. I was recently diagnosed with several tumors, and as I write this, my dad is again in the hospital, this time with uh, congestive heart failure, and he's extremely sick. So as you might imagine, I'm mentally deflated. Also, one of the Lisa B. Marshall interns, Anna, she's mentally deflated because she didn't pass an important, a very important university entrance exam the first time. So she's studying now for the second time. She only missed it the first time by five points. And just this past weekend, one of my girls was swimming in the pool, and she noticed another girl about a year younger than her who was swimming much, much better than her. And so she was mentally deflated. So on the surface, these things may not seem equally upsetting. But in fact, to the person experiencing them, they can be equally stressful. My point is, is that all of us, adults, children, everyone, we all need strategies and practical strategies to help us overcome difficulties and to consistently and persistently choose happiness. Besides, I believe that happiness is contagious. If each of us makes an effort to be happy, then we'll also be making those around us feel happy. So I decided to look at the science to see what do they say about happiness? And yes, there really are happiness researchers. The quick and dirty answer is that the last 50 years of social science research, it suggests that happiness comes down to one thing. It comes down to meaningful relationships or meaningful connections. In fact, according to actionforhappiness.org, the main external factor affecting a person's happiness is the quality of their relationships at home, at work, and in the community. Notice it's not the amount of money you have or the size of your house or the number of electronic gadgets you own. And I should also probably mention it's not the number of friends you have on Facebook or the number of followers on Twitter either. It's real-life communication and connection. Positive relationships lead to happiness. So you need to have good relationships at work, tight relationships with your friends, and loving relationships with your family. And if necessary, schedule time. Schedule time to visit your friends and family. Schedule regular dates with your significant other. And remember to call your extended family to check in. And for the young listeners, stop texting. Pick up the phone. Or better yet, stop in and visit. Take time to go have lunch with someone. Take time to send a handwritten card or a note. Show and tell people how much they mean to you. Better yet, don't do any of these things out of feelings of responsibility or duty or loyalty. Help someone without any expectation of payment or return. In fact, it turns out that there's a specific type of happiness, the kind you experience after having performed an altruistic act. And it's different from pleasure. It's called afterglow. And afterglow lasts longer than pleasure. Afterglow grows out of what we give, not what we have. 
According to some recent studies, people who volunteer for causes they believe in score consistently higher on happiness scales. I think it's funny that it took this long for science to catch up with what philosophers and religious thinkers have intuitively known for centuries. One of my favorite quotes is from the 14th Dalai Lama who said, If you want to be happy, practice compassion. Recently, my family and I were invited to help create and staff a free medical clinic for the homeless people in Camden, New Jersey. We've been handing out food to the homeless, talking with them, and inviting them to walk with us back to the clinic to get much-needed care. And I'm thrilled because I get to give back in a way that's meaningful to me, and I'm teaching my children about the importance of giving back to our local community. And I have to say, it's been awesome. I can tell you from firsthand experience that we're definitely experiencing afterglow. In fact, my girls are turning seven very soon, and on their birthday invitation, they asked me to write, please, no presents, but if you want to, you can donate to the Open Door Medical Clinic at St. Wilford's. That's the place where we work. I can't tell you how great that made me feel. My girls were demonstrating compassion, and as a result of all these experiences they're having, they're learning and expressing gratitude, too. I recently read that people who regularly express gratitude are happier. Some studies suggest as much as 25% happier. So how do you share and express your gratitude? Every night, I ask my children what three things made them happy today and what they're most grateful for. I got teary-eyed last night when my girls responded, this very moment, sharing with you, Mommy. Some studies suggest keeping a gratitude journal, and you can write down what you're grateful for every night, or they even say every week, and that improves happiness levels. Another suggestion from the researchers is to write thank you notes and to write them to the people in your life who you're grateful to have in your life. This past Mother's Day, I was treated to a full-length illustrated story about all the things my children loved about me. This was definitely one of those lifetime keepers. And the research suggests that we should definitely do this regularly with other people in our lives. Recently, I sent a short email to a friend of mine telling her how I was grateful to have her as my friend, and it made me really happy to express my gratitude to her. And today, when I opened up my email, I got a heartfelt response from her, and that was great. I got happiness sending the email, and I got happiness from her response. So the moral of this episode is, if you want to feel good, then do good. Don't focus on what you can't do. That'll just make you feel miserable. Instead, think about what you can do. And keep in mind that acts of compassion and kindness, they don't have to be big. They can just be simple, helpful behaviors, like bringing in your neighbor's trash cans or making a cup of coffee for someone or feeding a stranger's parking meter. Think about how you can freely give your time, your energy, and your ideas to help others and to do a few of those things today. Right this very moment, take a second to think about what you're grateful for and who you're grateful for. Maybe write them a quick email or a handwritten note. Remember, feeling good is contagious. And when you feel happy, those around you feel happy too. This is the public speaker, Lisa B. Marshall, passionate about communication. Your success is my business. And just a quick personal note, the tumors I have are benign, which is good news, and I spent this morning sitting with my dad holding his hand. I am choosing happiness. I hope you are too. 
If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com. <laughs>